I'm sure that many of you have already heard this story, um, but it serves to illustrate. Uh, I heard this a number of years ago by Norman Gibson, a preacher in Arkansas for many years. And uh, he was telling about a, a parakeet, a pet parakeet. This is not the parrot story. This is a parakeet. Um, but this uh, parakeet, this woman loved that bird. I mean, it would sing, and sometimes it would talk to her, and just she loved it. And one day she was uh, cleaning out the cage with a vacuum cleaner, and she was cleaning out the bottom of the cage, and the phone rang at the same time. And so she reached over to get the phone, and it adjusted her level, and she heard this, like that. She looked back, and her parakeet's gone. And she felt it go through the hose of the vacuum cleaner. So she's in a panic, and she rips that thing open and tears open the bag, and there's her parakeet. It's alive, stunned, filthy, and she it's not moving, and she reaches down and grabs it in both hands, and, well, it's filthy. So she runs to the sink and turns on the cold water and just you know, rinses it off and gets it clean. And now she's got a shivering, you know, parakeet that can't hardly hold still because it's so cold. And so she took it to the bathroom and got her hair dryer and held that hair dryer on that bird and, uh, you know, got it dried off. And the, the day after her neighbor called and said, well, how's your parakeet doing? And uh, she said, well, okay, I guess, but Chippy just sits and stares now. He doesn't sing much anymore. And, you know, I think that that may illustrate what happens to us. Life is hard. And if you haven't lived long enough to realize that, well, you just hang on because life will happen to you. And there are things, there are times when you've just kind of been sucked up by the world and by the events and circumstances of life and and just nearly drown by them and and blown over by uh, the things that happen to you. And we're kind of left there dazed. Oh, we're still alive, but our song's gone. Our joy has been taken from us. And we're kind of just sitting there staring ahead blankly. That's not the way God intends for us to live. Um, we have something better than that. We can't stop the bad things in life from happening to us, but, but there's a better way to cope, and it's this, and it's here. It's the family of God. That's why God put us in a church. That's why in his divine wisdom, when he decided to bring about salvation, he didn't just make it a personal, individual thing where, um, you know, we all are just kind of on our own. And if we ever bump into each other, that'd be maybe a blessing. But uh, he intended for us to be together. One of the reasons we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together is so that we can exhort one another and and build each other up and provoke one another to love and to good works. And as the writer in Galatians says, Paul says, he says, and to bear one another's burdens. That That's what I want us to talk about tonight and maybe give some suggestions as to how we can function better as a church function better as a community of believers in helping each other bear our burdens so that we can go to heaven. We're not in this alone. We all need help. doesn't matter who you are. There are times when 
we just kind of get all twisted around and turned around and, and discombobulated, and we need somebody to lean upon. And so I, I want to give some practical suggestions what we need to do and how we need to do it in order to, to get through life. I'd like for you at this time to turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6, though, and I want to use this as this context as a backdrop for what I'm about to say. Because I think there's an important and interesting observation that is to be made from this account. This is during the time when Israel was constantly fighting Syria. Ben-Hadad was the Syrian king. And they had some things back and forth. And, and you would think that Ben-Hadad would have learned his lesson and and there were enough, you know, reasons for him to back off, but he wouldn't. He, he would relent a little bit and then he'd get right back on it. And he has besieged Samaria. And the people inside the city, well, they're starving. They can't get any outside, you know, supplies. And, and so things are running thin and, and they're hungry. And the king, Jehoram, is the king at this time... And he's not a good king. He's listed among those that are wicked. But listen, pick up with me in uh, verse 25. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. That, that gives you some idea of how desperate they are. Um, they're, they're willing to eat these kind of things. And as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, Help me, Lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? Uh, from the threshing floor or from the wine press? Man, there, I can't do anything to help you. That's basically what he's saying. And then the king said to her, what's troubling you? And she answered and said, well, this woman said to me, give me your son that we may eat him today and we'll eat my son tomorrow. Isn't that terrible? That That is horrendous. But that's how desperate and how ungodly the people were at this time. And so she said, we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give me your son that we may eat him. And she's hidden her son. She's wanting the king to intervene to make this woman give her her son so she can eat her son. Horrible. Uh, inhumane. I mean, it's, it's horrific to think about what was taking place in the city. And so the king, verse 30, now it happened when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes. And as he passed by on the wall, the people looked and there... Underneath, he had sackcloth on his body. I think that's significant. Because sackcloth was worn as an act of sorrow, repentance. It was a way to afflict... I mean, sackcloth was this coarse thread, uh, often made out of goat's hair... And it would, you know, you wore it against your body and it would itch you, it would scratch you, and, and it would be uncomfortable, it would irritate you, and, and uh, you know, make you raw after a while. The king 
has sackcloth on, but he has it on under his clothes. Nobody knows. Now they found out because when he heard what those women had done, he just ripped his clothing, tore, rent his clothes at the, the, the horror of what they were doing. And as his clothes are now ripped, it exposes the sackcloth underneath. And here's the point that I want to make from that. There are people that we may be sitting next to tonight that have sackcloth on underneath. We, oh, they put on a good show. They, they put on their Sunday go to meeting face. And, and they look like they have everything together. And if you talk to them, they'll smile and you say, how are you, how are you doing? And they'll say, just fine. But they're not. They've got sackcloth underneath. There are things going on in their life that are just irritating the life out of them. They can't sleep well at night because these burdens that they're carrying and, but they don't share those with anybody else. This king, who wasn't the most noble man in the world, was wearing sackcloth. You know, you're not going to read about him in Hebrews chapter 11. He's not going to make that list. Uh, he doesn't even do right by Elisha in the rest of this story in this chapter. Um, he, he wasn't a good king. He was listed among the wicked. In fact, turn back to 2 Kings chapter 3 and look at what is said about him. This will give you an idea. You know whose father was? Ahab. You know who his mother was? Jezebel. Wicked king and queen. I mean, what hopes this guy have? He, he was the son of two of the most wicked king and queens in, in Israel's history. But listen to what it says. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. That's the commentary on his life. But, 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 not like his father and mother. For he um, put away the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he persisted in the sins of Jeroboam. So he was wicked, but he wasn't as bad as his mom and dad. And he had made some gestures that he was trying in some respect to restore some things the way they should be, but he just didn't give himself fully. So he's not a hero with the faith, but there is this attempt, a move in the right direction. Some will judge his motives and say, well, now he was only doing that for this and this. You know, I don't know that that's fair. Should we ever judge anybody's motives? I'm going to assume the best. This was an attempt on his part to make a move toward God. Was it insufficient? Yes. But he had sackcloth underneath. And so with that as a backdrop, I'd like for us to see what we can learn from the life of Jehoram and that expression, he had sackcloth on underneath. And here's the first point, and I have three of them for you tonight. What we see is not always what's going on. We need to realize that with one another. As we deal with each other as a church family, as a community of believers, where we're supposed to support and uphold and strengthen each other, listen, understand this. What you see is not always what's going on. It's not the whole story. 
Sometimes it's not the real story. Many people will only show you what they want to show you. They'll put on a facade. Their sackcloth is on underneath where you can't see it. And because of that, I think there are a couple things we need to keep in mind. Number one, be careful how you judge a person. When you see a person whose life is troubled, it's real easy to just indiscriminately denounce them and say, oh, can you believe? But you know what? Sometimes people who are making mistakes, if you saw the context of their life, they're not headed in the wrong direction. They're headed in the right direction. From where they used to be and who they used to be and the way they used to live and conduct themselves, and the, they may not have it all together yet, but they're so much farther along than where they used to be. See people in context. Just to see an action or to hear a word and then just to indiscriminately denounce them. Rarely is that dealing with the person fairly and, and kindly. Um, so be careful how you judge another person. There are people that you shake hands with tonight that may really be hurting underneath. And what they show you on the surface really isn't a story. But what I need to understand from that too, and that's the second point, is I need to learn to quit hiding the sackcloth. I need to, to open up, to make myself vulnerable. And that's part of the problem. That, that's what makes it hard. We make ourselves vulnerable. When I tell you what I'm having trouble with, I'm making myself vulnerable. And that's scary when you can't trust people. But in the context of love and trust and community, that's a whole lot easier. God never intended for us to try to go it alone. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9 begins that section where he says, you know, two are better than one. Because if one falls, the other one can help him up. And, and if you're cold at night, you know, one will be cold, but two will, will keep each other warm. And, and uh, you know, he goes through that if somebody attacks you, two can withstand the attack. Two are better than one. God knew that. So what are we trying to do when we try to just, you know, man up and, and pull our bootstraps up a little tighter and higher and, and try to just, like, tough it out? That's not the Christian response. Turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 6. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse, <clears throat> verse 1, begin reading with me. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Um, The passage says we're to bear one another's burdens. But I cannot bear your burden, and you cannot bear mine, unless we're open with each other. I've got to at least rend my clothes enough to let you see what's beneath. There's sackcloth. What are the issues in your life? 
You know, we, we can have a variety. I mean, I dare say tonight there are people struggling. They're going to go home and they're going to think about this. It's going to be on their mind. They may lay awake at night because of um, death, the loss of a loved one. It may be because of, you know, our health issues and, and what may be ahead of us in, in uh, various uh, aspects of our health. It may be our children that we're concerned about. Um, and it, it could be, you know, our job. And just, I mean, on and on we go. There are things that just can weigh on us. And I can't help you and you can't help me if I don't open up. We can't fulfill the law of Christ if we don't open up. So it's time that we let our sackcloth be revealed. Sackcloth isn't to be worn privately. It was an open display of a, of a broken spirit, of a penitent, afflicted soul. And it was to express to others and to God I am, I'm struggling. I am afflicted. I am hurt. I'm crushed by my circumstances. But it was a display that everybody could see. And consequently, people could respond to. But when we keep our sackcloth underneath, and we don't let people know what's going on, and we try to tough it out and hide it from everybody, we can't get help. We defeat the purpose that God had in mind for the church. He, he wants us to be a community where we lift each other up and encourage one another and, and are strong when we're weak and vice versa. But we can't do that unless we open up. We need to share our burdens and not put on the facade because we'll never get help that way. And then the second thing is... Not only do we need to share, but we need to make ourselves available to help. We need to look deeper and be more available to people. You see, I can deal with people on a superficial level, and you can too, and we can, we can say the niceties at the door. How you doing? Fine. Well, good. Have a good day. And, and we can do that and keep it at that level, and that's easy because it requires nothing of anybody. There's no obligation put on me. There's no obligation put on you. But you know what? When you start revealing your troubles, now I've got responsibility. What am I going to do with that? How am I going to help? Oh, no, here goes so-and-so. I'm going to go out this way because I know if they see me, they're going to tell me something that's going to require me to do something. You see, to fulfill the law of Christ, we need people to be open We need them to be honest, take off the facade, show us your sackcloth. But we also need to be people who look a little deeper, who really put forth an effort to help. You know what we should never say? We we go to people, and and I I know we mean well, but sometimes if we really analyze what we're saying, maybe it's not. Maybe it's one of those niceties. If there's anything I can do, just let me know. Really? How many people are going to respond to that? 
That's one of those statements that maybe can salve our conscience, but it never results in any good. Nothing is ever really done with that. Only in a very few rare instances when a person is bold enough to say, well, yeah, now that you mention it, here's what I want done. Not many people are going to do that. It's like saying this, oh man, it's good to see you again. Hey, next time you're in town, come on over to our house for supper. Well, who's going to just do that? Knock on your door and say, I'm here for supper. You invited. You know, that's a nice thing to say, but we don't expect somebody to really act on that. You know what's much more helpful than to say, hey, if you need anything, just let me know. To say, would you rather me do this or this? You know, there are things that everybody needs done in their life. There are situations where we find ourselves and we know these things have to be taken care of. If I really want to help, give them a choice. Do you want me to do this or this for you? Or what time would you like for me to do this or this? Then we're really volunteering and offering to help when we use it and and couch it in that way. We need to look deeper into the lives of people and not just accept the, of course we can determine by, you know, sometimes it's just hard to hide. And, And people can see the emotional struggle that you're having and know that something isn't quite right. We need to be people that get past the superficial and ask the probing questions that can result in help and not just simply, you know, go our way. We need to be available to people to help. Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 10. I, you know, the story of the Good Samaritan is, you know, one of those stories that there are so many lessons to learn from it, but I, I want you to see what it took for this Good Samaritan to be the neighbor that he was. This Samaritan saw this man... He had compassion, verse 33, Luke chapter 10. And he went to him and he bandaged the wounds. That interrupts his day. He didn't schedule for that. I've now stopped on my journey and now I'm down bandaging some guy's wounds. Furthermore, he poured oil and wine and he set him on his own animal. Now... He's riding, I'm walking. I didn't begin the day that way either. That's something I didn't plan on. That's an inconvenience. And he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And it's the next day. So I don't know how bad this man is in the picture that Jesus is giving, but this guy has been bandaged, put on his animal, taken to an inn, and that man stays with him till the next day, caring for him. And then he goes to the owner and says, to the innkeeper, and says, listen, here's some money, and whatever else he needs, um, you just keep a tab on it, and I'll pay whatever else you have to do to take care of this man. There's nothing convenient about what that Samaritan did for this man that was beaten. It took sacrifice, and it took initiative. He could have easily walked by. It's not my issue. I don't need to be sticking my nose in other people's issues. I didn't, you know, who knows what kind of man he is anyway. He took initiative to get involved in another man's life, and he's commended by Jesus. 
So, you know, in, in order to bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ, there are a couple things that we need to do here. Number one, we need to quit wearing sackcloth under our clothes. We need to quit pretending like everything's fine when it isn't. We need to develop relationships with each other here where I can get open. I'm not going to tell my deepest, darkest, most trying things to a perfect stranger. I'm not going to do that. But I will tell them to people that I have relationship with. That's what the church should be. It should be, and you may not have as close a connection to somebody sitting over here and somebody over here. There may be people that you don't have as close relationship with, but there is someone. Open up. Don't wear your sackcloth underneath. Make your, make your burdens known to those you trust. Let them help you. And if you're on the receiving end, pick up on the cues. Look deeper. Invest yourself in your friends. And you'll help each other. We need to be the church that God envisioned. A community of believers that have a single purpose, and that is of going to heaven. And we help each other go there. You know, we had a... Uh, where I used to preach in, in Kentucky, there was a man who was a part of that uh, death march. I, I think it was called the Bataan, Bataan Death March. I don't remember what it was called exactly. If you slowed down on that, and he wrote a book about it, his experiences on that, uh, they, they, they weren't patient with you. They just killed you. If you had uh, an injury that slowed you down, they just took you off the road and shot you and kept the march going. And he said, you know, one of the things that we did is we covered for each other. You know, there'd be a person that's injured and, and maybe their foot was hurt or their ankle was hurt or their knee was damaged. And, and uh, we didn't let those people just fall behind. We, we picked them up. We carried them. We took turns. We, we did everything we could to to help each other survive this march. It's not very different from what we're engaged in. The devil would love for us to fall by the wayside. And we have this goal of getting to heaven, and we need to help each other get there. That's what God intends the church to be. Let's realize that there are people wearing sackcloth, and and they need... They need a friend. What you see on the outside is not really what's going on in their life. Befriend them. Get to know them. Invest yourself in them. Help each other along the way. Let's not hide our sackcloth and suffer in silence when we don't need to. Rather, let's share. Let's listen. Let's talk. Let's bear each other's burdens. And when we do that, that is so central to who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. Paul said, it fulfills the law of Christ. Let's be that as a church. Let's work at being more transparent and more caring with one another. We already are. We do it to a great extent. But let's remember that this is our task.
If you're here tonight and maybe you feel like chippy, you know, the parakeet, you've just had life run right over you, there are people here who will help you. You have a family of people here that are interested in your well-being and they'll help you in your troubles. It's a good church, a good group of people, um, and we're blessed to be a part of it. If you're not yet a child of God and you need to obey the gospel, why don't you do that tonight? And if you're a child of God and, and unfaithful and you need prayers, you need to make your life right and come back and humble yourself. We'll pray for you to that end. But there may be someone here that, well, it's not sin. It's just the weight of what I'm carrying, the burden. And I'm tired. The, the sackcloth is irritating me underneath, and I want people to know so that they can help. If you need the prayers for strength, for support, uh, encouragement, we'll pray with you to that end as well if you'll come as we stand together and sing.